Hi folks, I'm Alan Wharton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on June the 7th, 2011. For newcomers, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Help yourself to the audios. There's hundreds to choose from. And hopefully you'll get a better understanding of this massive superstructure that overlays the world, overlays all the governments, the real global society, the real global government, as they call it. And it's been here for a long time, um, managing all of us and inch by inch putting us into where we are now, interdependent, they call it, on each other. In reality, it's a feudal system, a new feudal system, as Quigley said, Professor Carl Quigley, and uh, these big boys and the very rich people of the world run the system. It's a parallel government, the real government, in fact. It's not responsible to the public. It tells governments what to do, and uh, governments happily oblige. They better or they're out of business, because the same boys have the bankers who lend to, to governments as well on board. So that's what we're really into today, and it's an authoritarian society, if you haven't noticed, uh, where dictates just come down from the top, and you jump to it and obey. And... Uh, it's getting it's get worse and worse and worse uh, as we go on. It's a big. We're not even at the middle of this part of it yet. This, this uh, crest of the wave. We're still we're still riding up it, and um, there's a lot of bad things to happen. I don't like getting bad news. It's just I've read all their books. I know what they've said about it themselves. They say you can't make an omelet without break, breaking eggs, and basically we are in the broken eggshells as we all go through this big change. So bring in chaos and then bring in order. From the US to Canada, remember, if you want to order the books and discs to keep me going, you can buy them uh, with a personal check. You can use international postal money order or cash. And you'll see how to do it on the website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. PayPal is okay as well. Use the donation button and follow it with an email with name, address, and order. I'll get it out to you. And across the rest of the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and, and PayPal again to order with the donation button. And remember, straight donations are certainly appreciated in these austere and hyperinflated times that we're rushing into. And you ain't seen nothing yet because things are really crashing all around. As, is, as the big boys, the internationalists, squeeze the last drops out of us uh, before they completely discard us. And uh, I mean that really, uh, I really mean that, I'm being honest about it, because I've said for many, many years, the U.S. especially, after Britain, uh, was to be used as a policeman of the world and the financier of the world, borrowing money and throwing out across the world to their international corporations. And once they'd done all that, they would just let it collapse in itself at home. It's not my, my guessing at it. Uh, that's what uh, top Rhodes scholars, or at least the professors in charge of Rhodes scholars in England, have been saying since the 1940s. And uh, uh, they knew the agenda, of course, they were all internationalists, and the Rhodes Scholarship itself is set up to recruit people for global government. That's its purpose. So I'm not making any guesses at the big agendas. It's really laid out for you if you want to read it, if you want to read uh, The Open Conspiracy, even by H.G. Wells, going back a long, long time. He was part of this. Uh, he was a propagandist for them. 
and they set him up as an author. But uh, he called his book The Open Conspiracy, and he said lots of people will die fighting the New World Order, world order and it will be very futile, he said. So these characters have been at it for a long time, and uh, all you have left really uh, is the fact that the best laid plans of mice and men gang aft aglay, as they say, or go astray. And let's hope that happens, because really there's nothing much standing in the way of it regarding opposition and uh, I was looking at some history of the, the Spanish Civil War that happened in the 1930s, and it put me in mind of where we are today with all the different factions uh, who think they're on board with each other, but they start fighting each other when it comes to the crunch. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, just talking about the, the function of the U.S. really, and how it was set up, I think, definitely taken over, no doubt about it, um, with a purpose, and some high masons, of course, have written about that, America's secret destiny, all that kind of stuff, but um, it definitely has been uh, very upfront in, in managing the world as a policeman of the world when Britain went bankrupt by uh, the same boys that were determined to use Britain to take over the world. So now America, of course, is at the, almost at the end of its tether with incredible um, tax base it's had in the past to finance bases across the planet, permanent bases too. The U.S. is scattered all over the planet. And since the days of Reagan, they, they decided through Kirkpatrick, Gene Kirkpatrick at the time, to make permanent bases across the planet. So it was a, a world agenda even in, at that time. And we're watching it today as we squeeze the last, just like Britain too, they squeeze the, the last few ounces of energy from them before it goes under because it will implode on itself uh, with this nonsensical thing called debt. And it is nonsensical. But uh, the fact is we all uh, go along on it with it and until people really get rid of the private central banking system. Every other topic you mention, um, it's pointless even to mention them in a sense. You have to cut off the head of the snake to stop that having the power over the, the whole of the body. And really that's where the, the whole thing is. It's power is in money. And those boys who control the money control Congress and everything else to do with it. And all the politicians who are simply bought off and, uh, and placed in, in power. And talking of them, too, I was thinking about the degradation of society uh, that was all part of this big system. When you look, as I say, at, at the different uh, communist uprisings and um, even the Spanish Civil War that had a whole, had everything in there. It had, it had um, all kinds of factions. You had anarchists, you had, uh, uh, you had uh, Trotskyists, you had Marxists, and you had true communists from, who were loyal to Russia all fighting at the same time to save a socialist government that hadn't been in terrible long, and um, and all hoping that eventually they'd have a coup at the end and, and outdo all the rest, jump over their heads and take power, seize power, which was the communist way. But uh, it, it, when it came down to the crunch, they couldn't you know, come together and fight anything, one single army, because they were fighting amongst themselves. And what that is, it's called contamination in psychology and uh, and with um, 
secret services like the KGB and so on. And I've talked before about Bezmanov, who came over from the, basically, he was stationed from Russia in India at the time, and he managed to wangle his way over to Canada. He got a job at the CBC where he said that he'd never met so many communists as he had in the CBC. And that's obvious for if you ever try and watch their programming without your hair turning grey. But anyway, um, he, he said the same thing. He said that in the 70s, the KGB was so surprised and delighted that the contamination, the moral decay, had taken on so well within the United States and elsewhere. And that, of course, was, of course, the, from the 60s onwards, when they were pushing uh, the liberalism, they called it through the school. And we find that Khrushchev and others actually called liberalism uh, just the American version of communism. But uh, it also meant the relaxation and the destruction of all that was before, all the previous rules. And uh, free sex has always been at the top of the tree because you cannot conquer society until the society cannot stand together as a society with a unified culture. Uh, it's easy pickings, and once you start breaking it up, and um, and you find that the moral decay sets in. And then, of course, the next push is for single mothers, and then uh, you find most women don't want children at all now. That's so what has been very, very successful. In, in what they wanted to accomplish. This is all discussed, remember, in the books in communism, and can you pick them up, used very, very cheap today, uh, about uh, the various parts of this big takeover of the West. They said that they would, the West would fall without firing a shot from within, and they're, they're pretty well right on that. Because even the ancients, the philosophers in Greece and elsewhere, knew that a, a culture that was completely and utterly Immoral is a normal way to be, and it's the new normal now. You see, it's normalized. This is contamination, as it's called. It's normalized. And people don't realize that they are products of a process of demoralization and contamination. Uh, maybe three generations have lived through this, and each generation makes it easier for the next one to go further and further and further, which is exactly the way it was always planned. Until you end up in the middle of a world... Uh, at war, this is a world war going on. If a world war going on, really, uh, continuously uh, since at least the Gulf War One, I'd say, and the entire Middle East and all the NATO countries involved, that's what you call a world war. For those who don't realise what you're going through, and it never stopped with with Gulf War One. Uh, every president, including Clinton, sent cruise missile after cruise missile over into Iraq, pretty well every day, and the U.S. taxpayer picked up the tab to replace all those cruise missiles and get fresh new painted ones. Uh, it's a great business, you know, the disposable income, really, as these things go pop and you immediately order a new one. But contamination, as I say, is now the norm. And uh, it reminds me of Brave New World, exactly what uh, Huxley knew in Brave New World and his other book, Brave New World Revisited, where he explains where the novel could actually be made to come true. With, with the use of science and psychology and cultural control. And that's what we've been living through for an awful long time. So he knew it all back then, and he should do, because his family were related to the Darwins, and they were up in all the big global meetings of his day. And they knew eventually they'd destroy all that had kept people together and fought off. You see, if, you, if you're not unified, you can't, you can't fight off enemies of any kind whatsoever, and even in a personal level sometimes. So 
you must deculturalize, demoralize, and eventually you'll get to your goal of literally breeding the type of citizens you want, if you need many at all. And, of course, you won't need that many for this brave new world that they've been talking about for so long. And now we're at the stage, we've been living through it for years, um, where politicians at one time used to just step down when they were caught or found in disgrace, as it was called. Uh, because, after all, if they can't, if they're going to take a position of responsibility and uphold a tradition, you see, you got to understand traditions are awfully important. When you start throwing traditions out the window, then anything goes, and you will have no morality or integrity at the top either. And, of course, I can remember when Clinton had his little dalliance, which the press made sure we all knew about. And to be honest with you, I think that really was a, a trial balloon, because they could have got him on so many other women before that, but they kept it quiet for years. The, the Secret Service were, were basically cleaning up all these messes that they left behind them. So when they gave you Monica Lewinsky, it was like a soap opera, and it was presented like a soap opera. And uh, and I knew then this was a trial balloon. I said, it's probably going to be more popular, especially amongst the women, uh, after this than uh, before. And sure enough, that's what came in the various polls. So you can be, you're trained, you're constantly being trained and you don't know, you don't know it. Uh, isolated incidents are not so isolated after all. And, um, they, they kind of come out on cue. Because believe you me, if they want to cover things up at the top, you'll never ever hear about them. They're awfully good at covering up at the top. And, and I was looking at this article today with this, um, representative from New York and it says, uh, it said that, um, even, even the way it's, it's, it's worded in the newspaper, it says, should Representative Anthony Weiner uh, resign after sexting, they call it sexting, get fed up with these terms, eh? Revelations. So should he resign? So it's, it's almost like a question to the public, isn't it? And that's how they put it to you. Then a, a little a little paragraph, really. Um, it says, earlier this year, Representative Chris Lee, a married Republican from New York, resigned within hours after it was revealed. He sent a topless photograph of himself to a woman he met on Craigslist. Now, Representative Anthony Weiner, a Democrat from New York, has revealed he sexted uh, with multiple women over the course of the last several years. He also lied about a photograph which was released last week saying his Twitter account had been hacked. So he's a liar as well, you see. Uh, Instead, he now admits it was a photograph of him and that he sent it to the recipient. So I guess Weiner Weiner was showing his Weiner to somebody. So this is the kind of stuff they're giving you. And then then it says at the bottom, what do you think... uh, can Representative Wiener's career recover from this episode? He's apparently not broken any laws. This is a behavior relevant to his role in public service. Well, yeah, if he's a liar, you see, it definitely is relevant to his role in public service. And if he's standing up there, again, uh, trying to appear impeccable in his manners or his behavior or the charade that he has around him and he's actually uh, doing this kind of stuff, well, can you really trust a guy like that on anything whatsoever? He's out for himself, obviously. You understand, if you get up into any position of authority, you're on a platform then, and you've got to watch yourself. You've got to watch yourself. And uh, this character is doing, I guess, what a lot of them probably do. They don't care anymore. They know society's kaput. Just look at all the stuff they watch on TV. The children are taught amazing stuff now as well in school. All kinds of stuff. So, again, I've said many times, pedophilia will go out the window one day 
uh, not too long in the future as they go to town and all this kind of stuff. And um, marriage itself is, is just uh, a plummet. It's just about two inches to hit the ground now, I think. And that's it, that's it gone. So it's been awfully successful because if you want to conquer any peoples at all who once were very strong and, and they don't realize it, that they're so stupid. People are so stupid, they don't realize that it was their culture that kept them strong. It was their culture that gave them the zest and the fight. When that's gone, you're, you're anybody's. You're, you're on the target list and you're, you're easy prey. People should really, really remember that. And then you just look through today's news again, and then you get this one here. Delaware pediatrician, a, one, a doctor who looks after children, goes on trial for alleged sex abuse. And I'll, I'll talk about this when I come back. Over 103 children, some as young as two. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back in Cutting Through the Matrix, talking about the culture and how society has been totally uh, contaminated, as the KGB used to call it, uh, culturally, morally, and every other way too, which I can remember was a part of the whole Communist Manifesto, was destru- destruction of the family unit, and, and on and on it went. So, I'm talking about the, how as they progress in this wonderful progression, and they call this the society, the civilization progressive, you see, and you've got to always wonder where it's supposed to go, this, this progression, and I know where it's supposed to go. I've read all their books. And when they, if ever they talk about civilization and progress, they're actually talking about this big agenda. And they always have been for two or three hundred years, actually. And eventually we'll all be chipped and, and uh, brain dead, hopefully. To read this rotten news, we won't have to read any more bad news again. And uh, and then we'll all be quite, quite happy because we won't know any better. But and, uh, until then, we've got to go through this system here. As as I say, they make the omelette and break the eggs to make the new system and beard the broken eggshells. So, as I say, he's a Delaware a pediatrician, goes on trial for alleged sex abuse. As, you can't watch a movie anywhere now without it in it. It's got to have sex in it. It just has to be there, you know, just standard. And uh, and uh, children are all watching this stuff. Too. And they're encouraging the school as well to do all this stuff. There's one company now, I don't even know if it was Canada or somewhere else, was pulling in young children before their puberty to ask them to make sure of their gender in case they want a sex change. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. This is how stupid and ridiculous Everything is now, but it's a purpose behind it. It's not willy-nilly and, and, and just occasional group here and there that's pushing for this stuff. Anyway, it says, uh, A judge heard evidence Tuesday at the one-day bench trial of a Delaware pediatrician accused of molesting 103 of his patients, some of them five years old or younger. Uh, judge William C. Carpenter hearing the case of Errol Bradley, 58, 58 years old. And, and this is the thing, too, about perverts. They never slow down all through their lives until they die. It's weird. It's really weird, you know, because it's a power thing, too. Anyway, advised attorneys he will issue his verdict later, the court officials said. Bradley, whose practice was in Lewis, uh, went into the trial facing 529 counts of rape, sexual exploitation of children, unlawful sexual contact, and other charges. So I guess he made a deal (laughs) and brought it down. 
to 103. 529. And it says, um, Prosecutors filed an amendment indictment on Tuesday condensing the charges against Bradley in 24 counts. There were no new victims or incidents alleged in the new indictment. No, they wouldn't. They'd rule them out. That's part of the deal. The charges accused Bradley of first-degree rape, forcing girls to perform oral sex on him, and filming dozens of children engaging in sexual acts. Bradley waived his right to jury trial and was tried before Carpenter, according to the court officials in Georgetown, Delaware. So, it says police officers and detectives, but not any of the alleged victims, testified Tuesday. You understand the court systems now, um, they all make their little deals and all the rest of it, and often even the, the people who are victims can't get a word in at all. They're not allowed to speak whatsoever, or their, or their parent or parents, if they have to, lucky enough to have two these days. But... Um, it just shows how far it's all gone. Everything's gone off in its own little system now. Well, this is our system. This is the law system, you see. And, and it's our policy now to do it this way. Yeah. The evidence is based on videos seized from Bradley's home and office. The Delaware Eternal, Attorney General Bo Biden has said, in April, Carpenter ruled against a defense motion to suppress. Public defenders challenged the scope of a search warrant used to acquire videotape evidence from two buildings. So, I mean, this guy has been in, in a big pedophile ring, obviously. And there'll be some big names involved, as always. Uh, and you'd be surprised, you know. Uh, or maybe you wouldn't be surprised now, I don't know. But this is, again, all symptomatic of a decaying civilization, the type that Professor Carl Quigley talks about on how empires and nations rise and they get to this stage and then all this stuff happens. It's a formula, you understand, and then it falls apart from within. And there's a lot of brutality, especially on the part of the state. If the state ever wants you to be defenseless, they destroy the culture first, you understand. That's what they do. And then no one will stand up for anyone else. So it's a, it's a formula. Remember, it's a formula. And so you must bring out the same formula to get the same results when you're changing into a new order or a new world order as is now. And then, then you look at this article that came into, be prepared for equality. The scouts look to recruit more homosexual leaders and members. I wonder if they phrased that right, members. Anyway, I guess they're lost in the woods now. They've lost their way. They've no compass whatsoever. That, 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 that skips past your eyes. And, and then you look into um, this article here. It's from 2010. It's, it's quite good, actually. It says Peter Tatchell and the, the pedophile book. I mentioned that at the time, I think, on one of the talks I gave. It says it was, it was the start of a liberated sexual new dawn, the era of why not. Archaic laws restricting sexual practices and relationships were going to be swept away. That was a big cry in 60s, 70s. No one was to say who should do sexual things with whoever or how. Sexual liberation had become, for some reason, for some reason, very important reason, a vital part of true socialism. If adults consented, then hey, why should the church or the government or assorted boring old fuddy-duddies say no to them? And for that matter, if children wanted sex lives or if adult homosexual men wanted sex lives with children, then that was all part and parcel of the glorious sexual revolution. And I'll continue with this when I get back from these messages.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, we're back, cutting through the matrix and talking about how we've all really been contaminated. The whole system's been contaminated and people don't realize it because it's now normal. It's now normal. Anything can be made normal. Anything at all. Remember that anything can be made normal. And in culture. And it goes on to say this article here about this particular book that came out. It says, I talk about sexual liberation and all the rest of it. And it says, or so it seemed in 1986 when the most extraordinary book of the, de- the decade, The Betrayal of Youth, it's called, was published by CL Publications in London with the subtitle Radical Perspectives on Childhood Sexuality, Intergenerational Sex, which is paedophilia, they prefer the other term, and the social oppression of children and young people. It says, The Betrayal of Youth was edited by none less than Warren Middleton, alias John Parrott, uh, the then Vice Chairman of the Paedophile Information Exchange, Britain's foremost paedophile advocacy and aficionado support group. They did indeed have a lot of vice to be chairperson of. It says, a campaigning book. In a preface, Middleton acknowledged the help or support of Dr. Ken Plummer of Essex University, Dr. Brian Taylor of Sussex, Mr. John Hart of Sheffield Poly, as Polytechnic, I guess, and Chris and Jane Hobbs. His mother and father, homosexual activist Jeffrey Weeks, Nettie Pollard of the National Campaign for Civil Liberty, now called Just Liberty, assorted activists and feminists, and a large number of PIE Executive Committee members. So it's the big wigs at the top that are pushing it. I always tell you this, that, that it doesn't come, nothing comes from the bottom upwards. It's from the top down. Any cultural change that's actually uh, advocated, it's authorized. The book was part of a campaign to abolish all ages of consent, destroy the responsibilities of parents for their children, deny any ill effects on children of interference by paedophiles, and withal to make it easier for paedophiles to gain sexual access to children. A host of weird sex-obsessed nutcases contributed at Middleton's invitation. Among them was militant feminist Beatrice Faust. Another was the editor of The Sex Maniac's Diary, Tuppy Owens. In fact, she wrote a chapter with Tom O'Carroll, convicted of corrupting public morals earlier by sending out a list of paedophile contacts. Labour activist Eric Presland, playwright and leading light in the Organisation for Lesbian and Gay Action, contributed to the betrayal of youth. His article was a routine denunciation of the power that adult society has over children, prefaced by a first-person account of sexual activity with children. Mr. Preston related his first paedophile experience with an Asian boy of 13 and boasted of interference with a little boy of 6. And I'll put this link, all these links up actually tonight on the website for you to look for yourself. And it also has pages from the book on this website too. There's links to pages from it so you can you can look at it. If any of you really care anymore, I mean, I don't know if folk even care anymore about this stuff because they're, they're getting... Uh, just look at the side of all the newspaper articles you, you bring up on your computer. Just look, all the other stories down your right-hand side, just look at them all and look at the doses you've been fed in your lifetime, regardless of how old you are. It's all over the place, this kind of stuff. Deculturalization, demoralization, total contamination. Then nothing can stand. Then government loves it too, socialist government. Oh, they can't take care of their children anymore. We better take care of them. The state will take care of their children. Give me your children. 
you know, it was, it was, Lenin said the same thing. He says, initially we'll start off, um, he said agencies, agencies like childcare protection. That's what he's talking about. And healthcare too, by the way. And even police. Because really you hired the cops. He says, we'll start them off as services to the public. And eventually they'll, they'll become authorities over the public. How did he know all this was going to happen with such certainty? Eh? Very old plan, this. Very old plan. And all the big wigs and, and the bankers, too, were all in on it. The real government, the, the world government's been here for a long time. Only previously it was waging total war across the world on every culture. And then there's another one, too, from a French politician who was off to orgies in Morocco. Little boys, orgies. And uh, I'll put that link up as well, and that'll tie that lot together. That's just a few from today. It's not, uh, it's not a lot, actually. I could go on forever. But anyway, what I'm trying to tell you is that when you're deculturalized, demoralized, and contaminated, you can't stand together on anything. And even amongst the patriot community, it'll be just like the Spanish Civil War, where the anarchists and the communists and the Trotskyists and all the various other groups are all fighting each other rather than standing together. You don't realize, you see, there's a lot of contamination out there. The first thing you'll hear is special rights for this group or that group or whatever. That's the first thing you'll hear. They're already contaminated. And personally, I don't think you can save a society like that. I really don't. And, and so did the ancients too. They should know because they had the histories of even more ancient times. Probably better and truer histories than we get today. And talking about agencies, that, that, that like national health services and things like that, that eventually become authorities over you and tell you to get shots and all the rest of it. If you want to go to school... That's part of the stipulations now. They push the big blackmailing one. You also have this happening uh, under this farcical nonsense of uh, terrorism everywhere. Terrorism, terrorism. You've got to all change your way of life and give up all your freedoms and, and we've got to know all about you every single day for safety. All that rubbish. And people will still believe, most folk out there, not to this, this particular program, but there's people out there uh, really still believe what the government tells them on everything. Everything. Doctors asked to identify potential terrorists under government plans. It's better when you have a national health system. And it says, um, this is in Britain, and it shows you how they're really going at it now. Uh, incredible, big brother Britain, eh? It says, I guess the Home Secretary is called Theresa May. I don't know what she may do or may not do. However, that's her name. It's to lay out changes to the government's counter-terrorism program. And it says... Um, Doctors and other health professionals will be asked to identify people who are vulnerable to being drawn into terrorism as part of the government's redrawn counter-terrorism program to be detailed on Tuesday. Now, I don't want to even think. They probably have little, little flow charts with pictures on it, you know. Does a guy, or does he look like this? Does he sit in his chair this way, you know? Does he poke his nose, perhaps? You know, who knows? I mean, but this is the, the nonsense that's getting foisted on people over there now. And, and I tell you, uh, do you want to go and see a doctor when they're, when, when they're sitting? Uh, try, uh, do you ever get angry? <laughs> well, no doc, you know, a little bit once in a while. Really, really, you know, and you're, you're done as a terrorist and that's you blacklisted forever. 
Anyway, it says, the Home Secretary May will also try to def- uh, deflect criticism that the £60 million a year prevent program, this is to prevent terrorism getting bred in Britain. I, I knew it 30 years ago when I came home from another country after a couple of years, and, and I saw <laughs> saris all over the streets and lots of Sikhs and all that. I said, what, what happened here? And well, they don't the floodgate. As they said they would, by the way, in the Royal Institute of International Affairs meeting in 1938 in Australia. They said they'd do that. And actually had the guy from India, the member, speaking up. And they said, we can't bring you in now. We'll have to work on the public for a while yet. And that's when they brought them all in. Anyway, uh, and you've got lots of Muslims as well. And they spend £60 million a year on the PREVENT program to stop homegrown radicalization. Then they find out that, that it's been going to actually create radicals, which is beautiful if you work in the Secret Service and you want to keep this thing going, isn't it? MI6 and MI5 are just laughing up their sleeves. It's, it's working. They're creating terrorists. They didn't have them before. They're creating them right at home. Anyway... It says it's been used to spy on the Muslim community by extending its coverage to, to the, the far right and animal rights extremists that know what they were to do with it, as well as Islamist groups. May has indicated that 20 of the organizations funded by the government over the past three years are to have their cash withdrawn after the decision to stop working with non-violent extremists. And Mr. Cameron has pushed through the change despite opposition. Money that goes into all the usual rubbish with the names. I don't even bother to remember because I've, I've heard hundreds and hundreds of these guys' names in my lifetime. And it doesn't matter because they're, they're just faces for the agenda. They're part of the agenda for their time. That's all. That's all. That's all they are. They're just little puppets. Just little puppets that do what they're told. Uh, we'll put you in, Mr. Cameron, and we'll put you in for so many years. We'll t- and I'll tell him exactly how many years he's going to be in. Probably told him when he was 18. And uh, you'll be in charge of pushing this and this and this and this through through after after Brown's gone. You know. Yeah, I'm not kidding you. That's how it really does work. Anyway, the, the rest of this article here is on a, a, a different page. And it says, the extremists were given cash. Uh, from anti-terror fund. This is in Britain again. Money from the government's 63 million pounds per year anti-radicalization budget has been given to the very extremist organizations it should have have been confronting. They don't make these mistakes. Do you understand that? You, you've been taught your whole life, and, and again, your daily media makes you think it's all just amazing foul-ups and screw-ups and mistakes, and, and, and oh my God, we're just stumbling down through time here. You know, just just making accidents and fixing them and all that. Nonsense. Utter rot. You see, to keep this perpetual, and it's going to be for the rest of your lives, this so-called terrorism everywhere idea going, they've got to create terrorists, and they get young guys, and they radicalize them. And they even give them leaders who look just like them, who get, get away with saying incredible things about destroying the country. And no one stops to think, how come he's allowed to say all that? <laughs> Because he works for MI5, or CSIS, or the FBI. Anyway, it says the Prevent Strategy was launched four years ago to counter homegrown terrorism, but the government now admits it failed on many fronts. And uh, so anyway, they're going to douse that one again and probably go into something. They probably have enough uh, radicalized ones to, to deal with now. It takes this long too, as we all know, we're constantly lied to. When all media, and you know all media is a liar, because that's their job, is to lie to you. Uh, their job is to give you a fake reality, to, to make you think that just accidents happen. 
and politicians uh, give up their lunch break and, uh, and just work until dawn fixing the problems. But when they tell you something that affects your, your very existence, your life, a life and death situation, why would you ever trust them again? I said that the last time and folk, folk went to Japan, it happened in Japan, I said, they're all lying to you. I said, why would you ever trust them again? Three, it takes them this long to tell you. Three nuclear reactors melted down after quake, Japan confirms. Like we didn't know, eh? So Japan's Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant experienced full meltdowns at three reactors in the wake of an earthquake and tsunami in March, the country's nuclear emergency response headquarters said Monday. And then it goes on to say the nuclear group's new evaluation released Monday goes further than previous statements in describing the extent of the damage caused by an earthquake and the tsunami. It's, it's, it had already said fuel rods at the heart of reactor number one melted almost completely in the first 16 hours after the disaster struck. The remnants of that core are now sitting in the bottom of the reactor pressure vessel at the heart of the unit, and that vessel is now believed to be leaking. And it's a major part of the fuel rods in reactor number two may have melted and fallen to the bottom of the pressure vessel 101 hours after the earthquake and tsunami was crippled the plant. The same thing happened within the first 60 hours of reactor number three. The company said in what it called its worst-case scenario analysis, saying the fuel would be sitting at the bottom of the pressure vessel in each reactor building. But Tokyo Electric at the same time released a second plausible scenario for two and three, one that estimated a full meltdown did not occur. In other words, it's supposed to be so fuzzy, and that's how it's going to go down in your mind. Uh, yeah, they said this and they said that, and you're, you're, you're in between. You don't know what to believe. Well, if you can't believe your eyes from the drones that were been over it, well, I don't uh, hold up much uh, hope for you at all. Now, <laughs> I've always mentioned that universities too, uh, apart from um, really being the, the leaders for the cultural changes amongst the youth, because, and I've said this too, uh, and many of the top professors have written books on their various agendas, they all work together and interlace with each other over the years. And this liberalization, as they like to call it, this system we're rushing through right now, where everything's falling apart, they said that you have to get the new managerial class. So you go to the universities first. You forget the general public. They'll get it from the general media and movies and soaps and all the rest of it, even from the ads, in fact. But you must get the, the managerial class, so that you, you must radicalize the, the, them first. And that's what they did with Marxists across the whole Western world, uh, and even the Eastern, or all the way to Australia, as Australia is finding out now, because they're all grown up now, and uh, they're running their government. Anyway, it says here, 40 UK universities are now breeding grounds for terror as hardline groups peddle hate on campus. And it's true, that's also where the government recruits their, 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 their bureaucrats from. So they are breeding terrorists, you know, once they get into the office here and start taxing us all to death. But anyway, England's universities have become a breeding ground for extremism and terrorist recruitment, according to a disturbing government report. Officials have identified 40 English universities where there may be particular risk of radicalization or recruitment on campus. Uh, a soon-to-be-published Whitehall report seen by the Daily Mail will point to a string of examples of students going on to commit terrorist acts against this country or overseas. 
Alarmingly, the prevent review, that's the one again, that's 63 billion pounds. Uh, review said that more than 30% of people convicted for Al-Qaeda-associated terrorist offences in the UK are known to have attended university or a higher education institution. Well, that's where they're getting radicalised, right? It's true, it's true enough. But they've always done that. Your feminists all came from university. It was all pushed by professors who were generally Marxists. And every other radical organisation that you all take for granted now started at university too. Didn't start from the grassroots people of the working class. Never does. So another 15% studied or achieved a vocational or further educational qualification. About 10% of the sample were students at the time when they were charged or the incident for which they were convicted took place. Now it doesn't tell you what the convictions are either. Because really they don't have that much at all. When the towers went down, a guy from the British um, MI6 spoke uh, on uh, on radio and television, and he said they'd warned the U.S. that this was going to go down. But later on, he went on, uh, about a week later, when, when they, they, everybody went into gear, anti-terrorism, anti-terrorism, and he says, he says, we've got to be careful, he says, because they're setting up sting operations to really create youth, or bring youth in to get them radicalized. He says, we're going to create the terrorists. That was from the top. So we have to be very, very careful. That's what they do. You create young guys, go for the guy with a big mouth, uh, who, who's, who's peddling all the right stuff to them, and seems to get away with it, which makes the, the youngsters feel even more secure with them. And they're radicalized at home. You can't have an, a, a perpetual terrorism and, and no freedoms without creating the problem and keeping it going. You know, when the Soviet Union took over and felt pretty secure, that they find another threat, and they found terrorism within. Every day, terrorism within. Same formula. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and uh, I'll tell you, the time's flying in, and I had a whole bunch of stuff I was going to read tonight to you, but I won't bother. So I'll take Carlton from New York, if he's on the line. Hey, Mr. White, how you doing? Not too bad. Um, you was touching on breakdown of culture, basically the family unit, and today I just, for some reason, just happened to read on the Willie Lynch Letter, Making of a Slave. I know you probably heard of that. Yeah. Um, and, of course, it's easy for me to kind of grasp what you're talking about because I was raised on black history. Mm-hmm. So I just want to read, like, a small part from that, if you don't mind. Yeah. All right. I guess I'll substitute kind of like the more politically correct speech, but we breed two Negro males with two Negro females. Then we take the Negro male away from them and keep them moving and working. Say one Negro female bears a Negro female, and the other bears a Negro male, both Negro females being without influence of the Negro male, image frozen with an independent psychology. I want to underline that. Will raise their offspring into reverse positions. The one with the female offspring will teach her to be like herself, independent and negotiable. The one with the Negro male offspring, she being frozen, subconscious, fearful, 
fear for his life will raise him to be mentally dependent and weak but physically strong. In other words, body over mind. Now, in a few years, when these two offspring become fertile for early reproduction, we will mate, we will mate and breed them and continue the cycle. That is good, sound, and long-range comprehensive planning. And honestly, that's just like a, a micro of the macrocosm. So, yeah, it I'm is. Do you understand that they've done that across the whole world now? Because Plato, they all, they all quote Plato in his book, The Republic. And Plato said, eventually, we'd like all the women to be held in common, right? That meant that there's a free-for-all, that they wouldn't mate with anybody or stick with anybody. All women would be available to all men, but there'd be no bonding whatsoever. But then, of course, when you radicalize them, too, with the, with the ultra-feminist charge that they've had, um, they've got the exact same thing happening, where guys are almost whimpering to the, to the women today. And the women are making all the decisions, yeah. Yeah, exactly right, but I ain't gonna keep you on the, on the line. Just go ahead and do your thing, man. Keep teaching, keep teaching. I'll keep right. learning. Thanks for calling. But that's, that's the way it's done. There's many ways to accomplish the same goal. And of course, a massive psychology is in on it now. Is Kay from California still on the line? Hi, Hello? Alan. Yes. Uh, I have a question from yesterday's show. I'm sorry to be calling in like this, but it's from yesterday's show on the HD, HCG. Uh-huh. You know, there's a diet out that uses HCG. Do you know if it is at all tied to this um, thing that you were talking about yesterday with the activator, the tetanus shot being the activator for that yeah. to go in? I was just wondering. I'd, I'd have to look at it and see if it's um, – a lot of products will claim to be the same thing, uh, and often they're not. Uh, and I don't really, I'm not really up on that. If I should, I should take it orally, what would happen? But um, – I will look into it. Actually, if you have um, a link on any of those products, send them to me, and, and I'll look oh. into it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll, 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 we'll probably find that the UN is scattering all across Africa somewhere, if that's the case, <laughs> for free. <laughs> but uh, Thanks for calling. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's school with you.